Thank you for tuning into the Chapel Valley Church Podcast. Today we wanted to share a special teaching from Pastor Susie Jenin. We hope this message encourages you and builds a deeper level of faith in you. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this message. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, so before we get started, I have some, I was going to give you guys a little family update. I figure we always use our, my children often without their permission, um, or all of a sudden we're like, oh, we're not going to say anything, and then we use them as examples or something. And so I thought I would just, without their permission, brag on them for just a moment, because I am very proud of my kids. I think I have some pictures that are there. You didn't put up those pictures? I texted them to you. All right. Well, I guess I should have clarified the purpose of the pictures. You don't have them. All right. Well, Micah and Samantha, they're Micah's football team. They are the conference champions of Verona High School, our conference champs. It's kind of a big deal. Um, They have a new coach, uh, new coaching staff, new playbook, and uh, his team became conference champs on Friday, and that was so much fun to be a part of and watch the excitement of everybody collectively do that. We have Samantha, who has been playing volleyball this year on the junior varsity team, and her team also became conference champs as well as an undefeated team. (laughs) Undefeated team. That's right. And then Isaac, definitely last but not least, Isaac's football team has their last football game this Friday, and they are well on their way, or this Tuesday, and they are well on their way to being an undefeated football team as well. And so it is super cool. Uh, to, to watch all of these kids. Now, my kids know that they are not their sports. Um, but man, they are some fun kids to watch on the field. I literally, I, that is encouraged. My passion, um, is watching them play. Um, and so they are just fun athletes to watch. Um, and it's also when they're struggling or they're hurt, it's also, hard and struggling to watch as well. Um, it's not always roses, but all three of the kids have worked extremely hard uh, going into this new year, and um, I'm just so proud of them. And then really fun fact, this last game is Pastor Jay's last game coaching ever. And so I just want to say it's a big congrats. Jay have, has coached um With the exception, Sam decided to do, like, random sports we didn't really know, like basketball and lacrosse. And so um, that was a little bit different. And he did coach Sam. But Jay has made it a priority to coach uh, since Micah was in, what, third grade? Third grade baseball and football and Micah and Isaac baseball and football and um, travel team. So even here during the summer, uh, Jay, on the weekends, we would oftentimes travel and he'd come back to be at church. And so he has been coaching. And so there are some changes at what everyone is doing this year. And so we just realized that Jay's last time coaching will likely be this Tuesday. And um, I just want to say, well done, honey. Um, yeah, he's done good. Well, and I had some really cool pictures, but, um, yeah, they're just, they're just, I, I love watching, I, I, I love watching them. Um, so let's pray and then we'll continue on with our service. Father God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Um, we thank you for your presence. And even as we maybe don't always know how to navigate it, um, Lord, we thank you that your desire is to be present with us. Um, 
together. And so, Lord, we just pray that we'd continue to hear you speak. Um, Lord, that our hearts would continue to be softened and that we would really respond to the word that the time is now. Um, God, and I just thank you for that. I thank you for your faithfulness to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, something before I actually get into our actual sermon, I, I don't, um, we had talked about, and I know not everyone was at our membership meeting, um, but Matthew 9, uh, verse 38. And Matthew 9 is, again, many may be familiar with it, but uh, Matthew 37 says, or Matthew, excuse me, 9, verse 37 says, then he said to his disciples, this is when Jesus is looking at the crowd of people, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into the harvest. And, you know, so many times we can maybe hear the scripture and we focus on the part where the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But really, the crux of this verse is, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And something we asked, and I don't know if it was really caught or done. I know it took me a few days to even do it. Um, but we have, are asking our people in our congregation, would you guys set your alarms on your phone for 9.38? You can do it at a.m. or p.m. And take that time for just a season to begin to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So I, on my thing, I literally, on my little note, I have it on there, the actual scripture that just says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. We know prayer changes things. We know prayer matters. And in here, Jesus is instructing the disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest that laborers would be sent out into his, into his, um, into his harvest. You know, it's really funny because the first few times I'm like, why is Jay's phone going off? He did it at night and I didn't really like, it didn't register. And then um, all of a sudden, one day, both of our phones went off. And we didn't say we were going to do AM or PM. And then both our phones started going off. And we're like, oh, like we have the same timer. And I'm going to tell you, it's just really cool when both of our phones all of a sudden will start ringing. And then we look at each other and we either, sometimes we pray together. Sometimes we pray individually. Actually, last night I was not home. And it was my alarm was going off. And it was in my purse. And someone was like, do you guys hear that? And it was probably like, it had been going off for probably 15 minutes. And, um, and finally I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. That's my phone. <laughs> Let me go turn off that, that timer. Um, but I just want to encourage you, if you've not done so already, we, would you just join us in prayer? Um, it, it doesn't have to be like hours. Literally, it's just a moment for us to pause and just to declare, God, I pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, that you would send out laborers into your harvest. Um, and then that's just a good way for us to remember, um, because like I said, if you're like me, um, I easily forget something that I say with very good intention I'm going to do. And, um, so this has just been a really great way to do it. So anyways, well, we've been talking about your kingdom come Matthew six thirty three, Um, and, and we talked a little bit about it at actually the, uh, membership meeting, um, Matthew 6:33, and it says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you." You know, that's a very familiar scripture, but we had felt very intentionally that that was a prophetic word for today for our church to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. 
and let all the other things be added to you. You know, if there's, if we're being instructed by Jesus to seek first the kingdom of God, there's an implication there. The implication is that there's other kingdoms that can be sought. But here he's saying, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, the other thing about kingdoms is in each place, in each realm, there's different kingdoms that rise up. You know, I grew up in California, and so I can tell you, it can be winter here and winter in California, but I do not, I do not dress the same way. It could be the exact same date. It could be, you know, November 15th, winter, fall time, whatever, December 29th, whatever it is. Same time, same location, or two different locations, and I'm going to tell you, I don't dress the same for both. Why? Because the atmosphere is completely different. Here, I'm likely going to have, like, snow boots on, my jacket. You know, I'm going to have everything going on. And the reality is, winter in California, maybe it's a sweatshirt. Maybe it's a, you know, a hoodie. Maybe it's a light jacket. Same time, same same season, but the atmosphere is different. And what we want us to begin to continue to realize is the atmosphere here uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, is different than any other place. It's even different if you get out of Dane County, if you get into different cities, even there, you begin to feel the difference because there's various things that are at play. There's various priorities of each city. And here we're reading that Jesus, that Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. So we are calling you at this time to talk about what does it mean to be about the kingdom of God? I believe he wants us to be set apart and have an understanding of what it looks like to live out kingdom dynamics in earth, on earth, kingdom dynamics here on earth. But the reality is we can get distracted by the different glories and manifestations of the different kingdoms. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. Today's message is called How to Identify a Counterfeit. How to Identify a Counterfeit. Um, I was at uh, my favorite place, Oasis Cafe. Um, That's where you can find me probably like twice a week with regularity. Um, it's, it, in fact, when I have not been there, it has now become a place like, wh- why aren't you there? Um, so there's certain people that just know um, on certain days or any day of the week, I can very likely be found there. And while I was there, over time, so um, before we had a church building, um, we would, our offices were in the home, and so I get too distracted by, like, oh, I got to clean, or I got to do this. So I decided I often had to get out of the house, and so we're still trying to figure out our rhythm of what it means to have a church building, to be here, to have an office, how to share our office, all of those things. So I still just go to Oasis. So over, um, probably prior even to COVID, um, this, I would come in, and I would study, I would do my stuff there, and... Um, this, this couple would come and, and finally one day he asked me, or they asked me, oh, so, you know, I see you reading your Bible. Do you go to church? And we just started having conversation. So I've become friends with them and he happens to know like my brother-in-law and like it's just small world Madison. And so this last week we're sitting there and, and we start talking about kingdom dynamics, about what does it mean to be a church? And we're just talking like, I mean, literally it must've been uncomfortable. He was turned around this way, like the whole time. Like I never sat at his table. He didn't sit at mine. I could have pulled up closer. We just 
uh, we just, I don't think we were planning on talking for an hour. That was not the intention when he turned around. Um, and so he said something that, that sparked a thought to me. And he said, you know, Susie, my wife used to work in a bank. And, and now this may be, this may be, you guys may all know this. This was absolute news to me, okay? Like, I will be the first one to admit. I was blown away by the next statement, but Jay knew this. He said, you know, they don't actually teach you about counterfeit money in the bank. They actually teach you what real money is all about. They don't focus. And he was saying that he asked his wife, how do you know what counter, what a counterfeit bill is like? And he's, the wife told him, it's because they actually have us practicing with real money all of the time. So I was like, no way. So of course, what did I do? I went to Google and I was like, how to identify counterfeit bills? And sure enough, would you believe it that in the bank system, they don't teach people. The focus is not the counterfeit. The focus is the true stuff. They teach them to, to understand what does money feel like? What does it look like? What are the attributes in the money? What are the holograms that you can find? And so they practice 40 hours a week, you know, or a banker, however many, of just real money, real money, real money, so that when they are presented with a counterfeit, they know. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. Have we as a church been so hyper-focused on the counterfeit that we've actually not taught people how to identify the truth? Like, this is a weight that I have to consider. Like, I'm up here teaching people. Have, have I, will I have to stand before, repent, or work through that my focus has been so much on the counterfeit that I've actually not been able to teach people the truth? So my first point is we need to focus on what is the truth versus evil. What is the truth versus evil? You know what I think about when I talk to a lot of people, varying ages, they will, I will often hear them say this, I don't know if it's God speaking to me. I don't know what his voice sounds like. I don't know what his plan is in my life. And for, I, I literally just as it was news to me in that moment that 41 years, and I'm just learning that bankers learn how to tell a counterfeit, not by encountering counterfeits, but because they have truth, because they have practice with real money. It hit me right now. Oh my goodness, for too long I've made the focus about the wrong thing. And because we continue to hear people in the church, in the church, not people who don't know the Lord, not people who aren't in relationship with Jesus, people in the church still struggle with this very truth. I don't know if it's God speaking to me. I don't know what he's saying. I don't even think he's speaking to me. And I just wonder if for too long we have focused on the counterfeit and not focused on the truth. Too long, I believe, as a church, we have rather to be defensive rather than offensive. For too long, we've tried to defend Jesus and the truth and defend, defend, defend. But when we look at scripture, was G like when Jesus was standing in front of Pontius Pilate and they were coming at accusations, what blows my mind, he doesn't even try to defend himself. And then finally they say, say something. And he says, it is as you say. For too long, we have, for some reason, thought if we didn't defend the truth, then people won't know the truth. And I'm going to tell you, I think we got it wrong. And by we, I mean me. For too long, 
you know, we tell our, we tell kids like, you know, don't run with that. You might poke your eye. Don't do this. This might happen. And so many times that actually doesn't ever happen. Instead of equipping them to tell them what they can do. And I think as a church for a long time, we have moved out of fear of maybe being mis- being wrong, moved out of fear of misleading people. We've been moved by fear, and when we're motivated by fear, truth cannot reign. If I'm motivated by fear in my relationships, truth cannot reign. If I know what I don't want something to, to look like, but I can't tell you how it ought to look like, there's a problem. If I can't tell people what the church ought to look like, there is a problem. And for too long, yes, we've known, we've, you know, been known by not what we don't like. But, like, scratch that. What if we just went on the offense with the truth and the word of God rather than fearing someone misunderstanding you, fearing to be misunderstood, or fearing that you're going to get it wrong? Because the reality is you are going to be misunderstood. They are going to interpret maybe something you're not saying. And even bigger, we're going to get it wrong. We're like, we're going to be wrong. I, 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 like, I, I'm going to be wrong. Why? Because I'm human, because I'm imperfect, and because I am not called to perfection. I'm called to being perfected in Christ and in truth. And I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe we are called to be a people who speak truth, who live from truth, and who operate in truth. And what would the church look like if that was the stance? Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, and this is, this is a familiar, maybe familiar for you. Satan is tempting Jesus, and he's in the wilderness. He's just come out of this place of having this deep encounter with his father. And verse 8 through 10 says this, And then the devil took him up exceedingly high, on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He took him up to an exceeding high mountain and showed Jesus the kingdoms of the world and what? Their glory. How that happened, I have no clue. All I know is that if it's in there, it's in there for a reason. He took Jesus up to this place where he could see all of the kingdoms of the world. And these kingdoms were not these like sly, you don't know. No, these were glorious and and flashy. And when I think about this, there was a level of something that he could see with his eyes. There was a glory that could be seen. And he said to him, the devil said to, or Satan said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. See, when we're thinking about seek first the kingdom, we have to realize that the kingdoms of this world do have something to offer us. There is a glory to the kingdoms of this world because we're reading it here. And we have to wrestle through what does it mean and what does it look like to seek First, the kingdom of God. And Jesus immediately responds with what? He doesn't respond with panic. He doesn't respond how they're wrong. He doesn't respond with, you know, why it's not going to last. He responds with truth and the word of God. He then says, then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written. Away with you, Satan, for it is written. He combats 
the evil, not with trying to be right, but with the truth of God. And then he says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. This isn't a place of negotiation. He's not in this, like, conversation about why it's not going to work and why. Nope, he just says, no, the word of God says this. I believe he's calling us to be a people who will be a people who would respond with the truth and the word of God rather than panic and fear of something being dismantled or, or your image being changed. So how do we seek first the kingdom of God? We must renew our minds with God's truth as our focus. We need to renew our minds with God's truth as our focus. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I still have my Bible here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. Here's what we're supposed to be proving. Catch this. What is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We do this by renewing our mind. The Passion Translation, I I love it because it kind of shocks you into like, oh yeah, you know, let's not be, how many of you have that verse scripture? You don't have to raise your hand, but like, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like many of us probably have that in our mind. And I think sometimes when it's so familiar, it becomes familiar. So here's what the Passion Translation says. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God to be his sacred living sacrifice and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. Man, isn't that a beautiful image? That there are things that, it's not just like being pert. No, there's something when he looks, there's a delight. As I was just saying, when I watch my kids, there's a delight that happens in me as I'm watching them work through and navigate and and do and and operate in a way that their bodies can operate. Because I can tell you, I can't do things that, that they're doing. But there is a delight that comes in and hear it saying, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Now here's where it is when we talk about the different kingdoms in the glories. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions in the culture around you. Well, what culture is around you? What does church culture look like around you? What does home culture look like around you? What does the world's culture look like around you? We have to see where what places we have began to imitate ideals of what something should look like. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. So what happens if I'm, for, well, I am 41, and I'm called to renew my mind in a total reformation of how I think? 
Like, just think about this. So if, if we're reading scripture and it's living, that means there's a place of continual transformation that's intended to happen. And it doesn't just stop because I become a Christian and I get older. No, I'm continually living in submission as a living sacrifice. And my mind is called to be remote, renewed daily, which means that what was maybe acceptable in one time is no longer acceptable now. Why? Because I'm daily being transformed by the renewing of my mind by God's word. Let's think about this, that that this is, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. Are you and I willing to surrender how we think to learn about God in a new way? Or are we so beholden to what we think needs to happen and what it should look like that we aren't going to allow ourselves to be renewed? We're just going to hit rewind. And rewind again and rewind again because we liked it that way and we liked it that way. I'm telling you, this is, if there's anything that will jolt you into, like, what the heck do I believe? What do I do? It will be having teenagers. Because my, and it's not a criticism on them, I, there is nothing more that I love than being with my kids because they stretch me in a way. I had a conversation with one of my kids and, and I just realized, Susie, be quiet. Just listen. Maybe you just don't know everything. Now I do have the Holy Spirit and I do pray and, you know, there is that that trumps some of those things. That's not what I'm saying. I don't let go of my, my responsibilities. But am I willing to allow my mind of how the Lord would have me to parent? I'll let that be a safe one. Am I willing to allow the Lord to renew that in a way that is uncomfortable to me? Am I willing to allow my mind to completely be re-transformed? Again, this isn't, listen to what I'm saying. We're, we're seeking the truth. This is based on the truth and the word of God. This isn't like new, and we're going to get to this in a minute. This isn't to make God's word be something it's not. That's not what I'm implying. What I'm saying here is in this version, it just has me thinking, Lord, would I allow you to totally reform the way I think? Because then understanding this will empower me to discern your will So that's what it says in here. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfied and perfect in his eyes. What does it mean to be transformed by the word of God and keep that as my focus? How is God's word changing how I'm doing things? Because I can tell you how I did things when my kids were babies is not how I could continue to do when they were toddlers. And when they were toddlers, I couldn't keep doing it that way. And when they got a little bit older, I could Why? Because the situations were changing. Who I was and the values and the truth that I lived by didn't change. But the way that I had to do, I had to keep that surrendered. And I think for a little bit as a church, we've held on to how things think we, how we've held on to, to things of how we think it ought to look. And I just want to just consider if my mind is to be transformed daily, then maybe something is not the way it ought to be. 
We're not to discern the bad, the plots, or the schemes. No, we're supposed to, I think it was in either ESV or the Christian Standard Bible, use what is good and pleasing and perfect will of God. We renew our minds with God's word, which is the truth. We get God's word and we wrestle through it as if it's truth. And that is how we are to live our life. And then lastly, number three, when we're talking about what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God, we must keep preaching Jesus. We must keep, be, we must keep preaching Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses one through six. And I'm going to first start in the New King James, and then I will go over to the Passion Translation. But this is what it says. Therefore, since we have, um, have this ministry, as we have received mercy, do we do not lose heart, but we renounce the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling of the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every, commending ourselves to every man's consciousness in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled for those who are perishing, whose minds are, uh, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of every glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach of ourselves, thank God, we do not preach of ourselves, but of Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, you are the bondservant for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We must keep preaching Jesus. How do we do this? How do we do this? We must reject the shame that comes with life. How do we do this? We must keep preaching Jesus. And in uh, the Passion Translation, it says, Now because of God's mercy that has been entrusted, that, you, that we have been entrusted with, the privilege of this new covenant ministry. And we will not quit or faint with weariness. We can rest. But he's saying, let's not quit and let's not faint with weariness. We reject every shameful cover-up. I think part of the reason why we sometimes don't want to preach Jesus is because sometimes we feel like our lives don't coincide with preaching Jesus. After I shared with you the conversation I had with this gentleman, I shared a moment of vulnerability of, of just like something I was working through personally and my response. And then later, I'm going to tell you, I was sitting there and um, we were done and immediately the thought came to your mind, why would you, why would you share that you're a pastor? What do you think he must think of you? And I sat there for probably five minutes with that thought. Oh, Susie, that's not maybe how God would handle people. And, and I started walking down this path of shame that was not the Holy Spirit. And the thing, you know how I knew it wasn't the Holy Spirit? It was because it came after my identity. It came after and said, if you were a pastor, why would you share that? Why would, why would you say that? That's not how the Lord operates. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God does not say, well, Susie, because you are Christian, you shouldn't. 
So I immediately knew. And I think so many times we are, we hide in shame because we feel like our lives are not lined up. But what I loved about this in, in the Passion Translation, it says, we reject every shameful cover-up. As ministers, as we preach Jesus, we reject every shameful cover-up that the enemy would come to try to have us put on as our identity. And he say, no, no, no. First thing that we do is we reject every shameful thing that does not line up with the word of God. We reject that. And then we, we are people, number two, who refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the word of God. When we preach Jesus, we cannot let Jesus fit into our lives. That's not how he does it. We need to be a people who refuse to make the word of God conform to their life. We see it everywhere. Actually, and I I was telling Joe, I was at the football game, and I was sitting with this part, just this one part that says, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. We are in generation of a culture of people who are deceitfully using the word of God to conveniently make their life look like it lines up with the word of God, and it does not. This is why we need to continue to preach Jesus. This is why we need to continue to renew our minds, because God will not fit in your box. That's what makes it uncomfortable. That is why we cannot just sit by as bystanders, is because the word of God is intended to be light in a place that it's dark. Light. It's supposed to shine. Not dimmer. Not and No, 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 no. It is supposed to expand bell darkness. And we're living in a generation that will take the word of God and start saying, well, is that what it really means? I, I, I saw something this week and I was, I, and it's not even fully worth like repeating, but I was blown away by the amount of disregard, blatant blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And they were perversely using the scripture, do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I just thought, Lord, have mercy. First of all, have mercy on that person. Have mercy on that church. Have mercy. Because it is not my place to call out for judgment. It is not my place to call out for vindication. My place is to call out for mercy on people's behalf. And so when we begin to preach Jesus, we begin to preach mercy over judgment. We begin to uh, preach mercy over the situation. Or we can be people who will judge and say, oh, that's not that. Oh, that's not that. No, 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 no. We're not called to be the judge. We're not. We're called to be people who bring heaven to earth. And in heaven, there is mercy. There is grace over judgment. That is who we are called to be. So when we are preaching Jesus, we are preaching mercy over judgment. When we see things that are not lining up, we should be praying mercy on those people who are proclaiming gospel that is not the gospel, who are proclaiming truth that are not the truth, who are proclaiming death over people. We need to be a people who preach Jesus. And not take the word of God to fit into our life. We need to reject the shame of life. We need to be people who refuse to make God's word fit into our life. But we need to be people who are transformed by the word of God and are living holy and acceptable lives. We need to continue to preach the lordship and the covenant of new mercies, life in Christ, and that our lives would be transformed so that they can shine. Our lives are the testimony people will see to come to know Jesus. 
And in my vulnerability, in my humanity, it's God's mercy and God's goodness and God's grace that leads people to repentance. And I will need to be led to repentance every day because I will make decisions. I will do things out of my own humanity, out of my own fear, out of my own insecurity. But guess what? That does not disqualify me and that does not disqualify you. Because the the point is, we are to be preaching Jesus. We are to be preaching Jesus, not ourselves. And it's a time for us to stand up now. Because when people come to know and they have an encounter with us, would our lives be so much like Jesus that when they experience a counterfeit, they know? Would our lives be and live in such a way that they know when they embrace us, when they encounter us, that person's a Christian, that person follows Christ. And then all of a sudden, guess what? They come to someone who's proclaiming some truth. There's some cuckoo crazy stuff that is out there, guys. There is some crazy stuff that is being preached. There is some crazy stuff that sounds really good. And I can either be focused on trying to say why that's all not Jesus, or I can just continue to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and let my life be a living sacrifice, a testimony of God. So much so that when someone encounters a counterfeit who's saying it's their Christ follower, but they've conformed the word of God to their life versus being transformed by the word of God, they know that's the counterfeit. That is what we are called to do every day. I'm telling you, it does not mean that we need to be perfect. There is a lot we all need to continue to work out. But as I read and I'm saying, Lord, your your desire is for my mind to be fully transformed every day. That is the hope and the truth. Now is the time. That word that I gave, I'm telling you, I was stirring and saying, Lord, but I believe that he's telling us, stop looking. Stop looking. There's a lot of noise. A lot of noise. There's a lot of injustice. And some of you might be called to a realm and to a place and where you will be able to vocalize the injustice that's happening. What you first need to understand is get into the quiet room, get into the quiet place and say, Lord, what would you ha- what is your will for my life? Because some of us, he's going to call us to places that are really dark. And we have to have, be transformed so that when we walk into the room, we know we walk in with his presence and his authority and his grace and his mercy. And we would be people who would be the living sacrifices, who are living lives holy and acceptable to proclaim the good and acceptable year of the Lord. You guys, we're not into playing church. I've been listening to this podcast and it's, it's helping me kind of get back into the complexity of people's lives. My life is complex, and I know Jesus. But there's so many people, and I will not ever, ever, we can't stop realizing this isn't so that we can build kingdoms filled with glory. I mean, you can. There are plenty of people who are doing it. I, this And it's not my story to tell, but this gentleman was sharing about some life choices he was making because he said, Susie, in the end, what does it matter? What does it matter if I have, and we see it in Scripture, we have this whole world we've built, but we've lost ourselves. We're living in a culture and time that is pushing Christ out, and we fit him in where we can. 
We're getting busier, 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 busier. So now guess what happens? Well, your weekends become more sacred, right? Because you've been go, 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 go. And because you've been go, 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 well, I need a time to rest. Yes, Sabbath is important. Sabbath is about reflecting and positioning ourselves and contemplating and spending time with the Lord. But I can guarantee we, myself, don't have the correct even perspective of Sabbath. So when I'm resting, I don't even, I'm like, Lord, help me learn how to Sabbath. Let me learn how to rest. But we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going. And where does the Lord fit in? Oh, we got to do this, we got to do this, and I have this, and I have that. And I, sounds, it sounds great to those all around you, right? I'm, I, I, if, if I can talk about all the great accomplishments and all the th- things that I'm doing and the places I'm visiting, I can tell you how many people agree with that. Celebrate it. But then that just means I'm reflecting more of culture. We got to work it out. We got to, if, if it says in scripture to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's not that we fear God. That No, it's with reverence. Lord, you, we are to be preaching. I think one of these scriptures says preaching the Lordship. When we said yes to Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, it's saying, would you be Lord of my life? We don't understand kingdoms because we don't have a king, we don't have a queen, we don't have a monarchy. There isn't this idea of all the reverence that goes into monarchy life and kingdom life is quite astounding. But if we were to take it back and look, Lord, what is, what are you call your kingdom? We call him Lord of our life. I believe more than anything, we gotta sort through this because I believe our lives are gonna be what people know is truth or counterfeit. People will look for us to see how we respond, not with perfection, but is the testimony that leads people to repentance, our lives. And so he calls, he knows where we struggle, he knows where we, he, he created us. He's not like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Man, where it talks about, you know, how much of an earthly father would give, how much more your heavenly father gives. I get it. When I look at my kids, I see their potential. I see, I know, I, can, I even know their footsteps. I, I can, like, I hear them coming down this, I know who's coming down the steps. Why? I intimately know them. And that's what we get to be. That's what we call that we would know him. And for too long, we, we, we are consumed with the wrong stuff. And he's saying, I want your life as you are, complicated, intricately made, to be a living testimony so people can know when they've experienced a counterfeit. All right, let me, let us pray. Let's pray. Well, Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for who you are. God, more than anything, our heart is to be a living sacrifice. Lord, that keeps our eyes set on you. Lord, as we keep your truth at the, at the forefront of who you are, we realize that preaching who Jesus is, preaching Jesus is enough. Living like Jesus is enough. Jesus, you came and you lived humbly. You, you lived and you operated in obedience to your Father. You spoke truth. You lived truth. God, you saw when no one else saw. You saw Zacchaeus when he was in the tree. 
You knew when the, the woman came with the woman of issue of blood that came. You, you knew, you saw, and you knew differently than everyone else around you. So, God, I pray that we would be a people who would see things differently around us. That we would be people who would be sensitive to your spirit. That we would, we would feel the inclination that something either needs to happen. That we could come and bring your presence wherever we go because you are with us all of the time. So, God, I pray that we would be awakened to your voice. That we would be awakened to your leading, God. I, I cast off shame. We say, shame, you have no place or authority in this place over these people. Shame for what, what was, shame for what has been done, shame that comes along that would come to try to crowd out the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And Lord, we release your forgiveness. We release your peace. Lord, we release that ears would be open to hear you speak. Lord, I pray that as we read your scripture, Lord, that there would be an awakening to who you are. Lord, I pray that as we fill our lives with truth, that the truth is what sets us free. So God, I pray that as we keep our eyes on you and it says, seek first the kingdom of God, Lord, that that would be at the forefront of what we do and that we would be deeply transformed, not because we don't know what to do or what we shouldn't do, but we would be deeply transformed because of what you've already done and what you've already said about us long before we were created. God, I thank you that this place would be a place that preaches Jesus, that keeps Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever at the forefront of what we do. God, I thank you that we don't need to be um, just like you were not moved when, the, when Satan took you up and showed you all of the kingdoms and their glory. Lord, that we would too be a people that would say, yeah, but God's word says... Yeah, everyone around us, this is happening. But Lord, you have already spoken to me. Your word says, and we would be deeply transformed by your word. God, I pray that we would be a people who would not try to fit your scripture, your word, and make our life, uh, make your word conform to our life. But we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind with your word. And we would be a people in motion who know you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Amen. Well, I just encourage you to stay in fellowship for a few minutes. Uh, thank you. Um, I would also encourage you, if there was, like, this resonated, go back and listen. Um, ask the Lord. Don't just let this be a moment that, like, oh, that was great, and then go back. No, there's people. There are people every day. There are people you will encounter today that need an encounter with Jesus. And I pray that we would be a people that would be awakened to that. We we love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Chapel Valley Church. We want to hear from you, so please take a moment to share your story by emailing us at info at chapelvalley.org. We hope you stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching Chapel Valley Church. You can also stay updated by visiting our website, chapelvalley.org.